This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. Today, I'm speaking with Chris Jeffers, the Indiana Director of the PTAC program, and soon we'll explain what PTAC stands for. Uh, Chris had a brief tenure with the Indiana Small Business Development Center, but spent over 10 years with the Indiana Department of Transportation and as head of the project management section at NDOT, Chris managed nearly 30 projects with a combined value of over $2 billion. So Chris, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm happier. I'm happy that we can do this and we can explain what this program is all about. So we'll start with some very basic information. Uh, PTEC stands for the Procurement Technical <laughs> Assistance Center, and you are housed within the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. So start with just what is the purpose of the Procurement Technical Assistance Center? For government contracting, we love acronyms. So our acronym is just right off the start, a, a, a complicated one. But the PTAP program or the Procurement Technical Assistant Program is actually administered by the Defense Logistics Agency with the Department of Defense. And there's one, there's a PTAC located in every state. Um, there's a PTAC located even in Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, so in our territories as well. And what the purpose of the program is, is to help small businesses or help businesses. Um, get into government contracting. Department of Defense um, is, is partial of my funding, 60%, and the rest is from state of Indiana. The purpose of the program is to help businesses get first, get registered and be able to do business with the federal government, but also then to how do you do it from that point on. So it's obviously designed to help, in, in your case, Indiana businesses uh, get contracts with, with government. But why would, why would business want to do that in the first place? Well, um, we'll speak about the federal government first, just because we do help businesses with federal, state, or local. But if we want to focus on federal for um, just a minute, they're the largest spender in the world. Our federal government is the largest spender in the world. And they buy absolutely everything. I mean, when we say everything, we mean everything. From traditional, um, you know, from office supplies to um, things that explode, Right. So there's a market for your business in the federal space. They're a good customer. They're a reliable customer. Um, is there red tape? Absolutely. But that's what we're here to help. The, and the government has recognized that. That's part of the program. They've recognized that it is hard to get into doing federal contracting. And so they have provided this assistance to businesses to help them along the way. So you talked about you, you started with federal but then, uh, but then how then do you yeah. also then work with uh, state, local? How does that work? Well, the state of Indiana has its own regulations and procedures for doing state contracting. And so I work really closely with the Department of Transportation as well as the Department of Administration to help businesses get contracts or get certified and get registered with those state agencies. The city and the local governments, they all have their own way of doing business as they should. It's their city, it's their county, so they all have very specific ways they do business. We work really closely with the bigger cities, I would say, you know, Fort Wayne, Indianapolis, Evansville, to help provide that opportunity um, for those businesses as well. We have found that a lot of companies that do work for cities or locals or counties, they can also do federal work. You don't have to just pick one area of government contracting and 
and, and not do all of them. So if, if, you know, if a company is able to do or is currently doing work for the state of Indiana or a county or a city, whoever it may be, the jump to federal contracting is not that great. And the other thing people don't realize, the federal government actually has a small business goal. So as we all know, our federal government has goals associated with contracts as far as minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, service-disabled veteran businesses, and and, um, veteran-owned businesses. However, they also have a small business goal. 23% of all the contracts that the federal government issues, that their goal is that 23% of those would go to small businesses. And so that's a unique feature because small is relative. The US SBA kind of um, has a, a mechanism depending on next codes for what small is. But for example, manufacturing is 1,500 employees or less. Small is small compared to Lockheed Martin, not to you know uh, 10 employees. And so people kind of don't see that, but the federal government, small is relative to them. So compared to Lockheed Martin, a lot of our businesses who may not think they're small because they have a thousand employees, they're still considered small to the federal government. And what's important about that is last year alone, the federal government, they hit their goal of small business. Um, but I always think sometimes money talks, right? But that goal that they hit, they did $132.9 billion in small business contracts. And so that's a B, it's not an M, it's a billion, $132 billion went to small businesses in the United States. So do we have a sense, do, do we know how much of that came to Indiana and, yes. and, and, and what our capacity would be? And we do have the data of what Indiana, our, our share of that in that same year, we were at 867 million. Now that's a record for us, however, if you compare 867 million to 132 billion, we really aren't getting our share, if you will. Um, and I think that last year when Governor Holcomb had the emphasis on tripling defense dollars and getting more of those federal dollars back to Indiana, we started really looking at all the federal dollars that should be coming back to Indiana because you know we see it as leaving money on the table Um, where our businesses are qualified and they are able to do these contracts and we should be doing more of that contract. And we kind of talk about the federal government's the opposite of Amazon. They're the opposite. They basically put out there and say, hey, this is what I'm buying. I'm buying this. I'm going to buy this many of them. Who wants to sell it to me? And so they don't care what state it's coming from, right? They just are putting out there what they're willing to buy. And so we need to get more businesses um, in that world, if you will, to supplement maybe their business. We never want a business to completely change their whole business plan to match federal contracting. It's a diverse, you should have a diverse client base. I think we saw that really well during the pandemic when commercial sales may have started drying up or slowing down and businesses needed additional help. They needed help. They needed to sell their product and they turned to, well, what about maybe now is the time to think about federal contracting. Maybe that those procedures and all that red tape, as they call it, is worth it. You know, maybe it's a good way to supplement my business to grow and expand. And so we saw a huge increase over the last year of businesses wanting to get registered and starting to look at doing federal contracting. The other, you know, there's a lot of misnomers about the federal government. I think that people see that those great big, I always call them those great big sexy projects, you know, that are $400 million. And they think I could never do that. Well, the federal government does issue contracts like that. However, the majority of the contracts they issue are not like that. 
They do a lot of credit card purchases, $10,000 or under. They do a lot of $25,000 purchases. And they buy things that not just go on a tank. And we hear that a lot from companies in Indiana, especially defense. Well, I don't manufacture anything that would go on a gun or I don't manufacture anything that would go on a tank. And it's like, that's okay. Because the federal government buys everything. There's probably a space for you. So I think companies are shocked when they start looking at the opportunities that are available. And so beyond just walking a company through getting registered to do work for the federal government, we also help them along the way of what opportunities are out there. You know, are you able to do that? You know, it's not for the light of heart. I mean, you know, it's definitely a time issue. I think a lot of our business owners sometimes don't have the time they think to get this started, like it's too much time or, you know, they're barely able to keep up with the work that they're doing, but it's really just the initial work. And that's why we're here to help. So you've, you've referenced a couple of times the, the notion of red tape. Mm-hmm. And, and I know from my past experience when I was with the Indianapolis chamber and we were trying to help promote this kind of uh, federal mm-hmm. contracting, too many of our folks would just say, you know, and you reference time as being an issue. Well, I don't have time to mess with it. Uh, I don't want the government knowing that much stuff about me. Uh, so what is your perspective on that sort of issue of red tape? And how do you assist with that process? Um, I think most of the red tape people think it's worse than what it really is, but it's really paperwork. And it's just, you know, you, most companies have their business paperwork in order, We recommend obviously having things ready to go before you do registration in SAM. Um, However, it's not that difficult. It's just getting it all together. Most businesses have all the information that they need to get certified or to get registered to do business with the federal government. It's just getting it organized in a package so that um, you would be able to get certified. It's um, a lot of, you know, a lot of it's just paperwork and the government already you know, knows a lot about your business. (laughs) So, um, you know, you pay taxes every year and they do pull your tax information when you, uh, your tax EIN number when you get registered, but you know, they already know that. So you made reference to something you said uh, when companies get registered in SAM. Yes. uh, What is SAM? (laughs) The system award management is the first step for federal contracting. And so a business has to be registered in SAM to do business with the federal government. I always tell businesses it's the way they pay you. So that the system also is a accounting system, if you will, but that's how they pay you. So they don't issue checks anymore. They issue, you know, payments through SAM. And so it's important to be registered in that because, you know, if you want to do contracting, you want to get paid. I mean, that's the whole purpose, but that also you get a cage code and it vets you to do business with the federal government. So to, in that process, they do pull information. They, they need to make sure that you really are who you are and you're the owner of that business. So some of that, um, we do have some checklists. We have cheat sheets. I love cheat sheets and checklists. I think they're you know, the easiest way to not get caught up in um, snags, if you will, along the way. But they really you know, check to make sure you are who you are. You're able to do what you say you can and that you're a business. You're in business. I think that um, startups, some startups, depending on what they produce or what their product is, it's really hard for them to get in this world until they're a little bit more established. Um, Some PTAP programs throughout the nation um, actually have a requirement that you have to be in business for two years and have a revenue stream before you're ready 
if you will, for federal contracting. And we haven't done that in Indiana because we have a lot of startups that may have new technology or um, could do other parts of um, research and development type projects. So I think it's important that we talk to everybody, but sometimes you know businesses aren't ready. And that's when we work really closely with the Indiana Small Business Development Centers, which is also housed at IEDC, and they can help businesses get ready, you know, develop a business plan, accounting systems, you know, to have all that ready. And so, although sometimes some businesses aren't ready for federal contracting right now, we provide the assistance with our partners at ISBDC so they can get ready, so they can come back to us, and then we can get them registered. And so earlier, you mentioned um, about the, certainly in 2020, things were much different than for, for all of us and certainly for business. But mm-hmm. you talked about how that government revenue stream may have helped some of those businesses uh, replace some lost revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never a perfect sort of match, but, but it, it always seemed to me that one of the things that we talked about when we were promoting uh, government contracting was that it could be not exactly counter cyclical, but that it might help smooth out some of the the ups and downs of revenue. Is that, I mean, is that a, a reason why companies might consider government contracting? Absolutely. And there, there's so many different ways the federal government, and you know, it's not just defense. Um, last year in Indiana, Um, Our clients um, did business with 40 different federal agencies. And I think sometimes people don't realize how many federal agencies are out there. And in Indiana, you know, sometimes I think visually we don't have the presence of the federal government as much as some other states. We obviously have, I mean, a lot of people from Indianapolis North don't even know that Crane exists in Southern Indiana. (laughs) Uh, And it's the largest military installation that we have. But a lot of people don't even know it's down there. And that's by design, I guess. But we don't have the office buildings. We don't have the big federal presence. And so um, people don't see it every day, right? So they don't think about it every day. But we had, you know, 40 different agencies. Are, are, we have companies that were doing work. I'm trying to think of just some, you know, beyond the regulars, if you will, you know, de- beyond the department. But we have Peace Corps, Health and Human Services. And Health and Human Services is an interesting agency because their budget not just from last year, which I, I mean, obviously last year their budget was significant and it is going to be significant this next year, but there's a lot of opportunity um, for IT companies, software companies, management companies um, for human health and services. And so that's a very large agency in the federal government, but you know, there's Coast Guard, Department of Interior. In Northern Indiana, you know, we finally, finally, I say finally, have a national park in the state of Indiana. Dunes became a national park and it's a you know incredibly unique site. We love going there, but it is a national park, and so that's all federal contracting. And so you know there's an opportunity for um, businesses to be a you know participate in what they're procuring. And there are plans at some point to build buildings there or to make it more of a national park presence. And so you know we definitely, uh, I guess I can say this out loud. I have a preference of Indiana over any other state. Um, A federal contracting officer really can't have a preference, but I sure would wish all those contracts coming out of the national park to go to Indiana companies, not to Illinois or Michigan. (laughs) And I support that. I agree. (laughs) If a company is interested in pursuing this, Mm-hmm. What are the what are the direct services? What is it that you do to help them get through this process? 
Um, the first step is just making contact with us. It's like everything else. The first step is to get the process started. Um, and whether that's an email or a phone call or, you know, just setting up a time to speak with someone over the phone to get a better feel of what their company does, um, where they are in, in their development, just, just parameters of that way. And then just asking questions if they are able to get other certifications. Is it a woman-owned business? Is it better-owned business? Because those are extra steps beyond. But those are important steps. So we meet with the business, we talk to them, we get a better understanding of really what they do and what they can sell to the federal government. And so the, and then the steps would be, are you registered in SAM? Some businesses are already registered in SAM. And so um, if they're not, then we sit down with them, we go through the checklist, all the paperwork that needs to be ready, if you will, and match when you start the process of getting SAM. You get a DUNS number first, for now, this is that, pro that, that whole process is changing in the next year. And then you get registered in SAM and they give you a cage code. You may hear that cage code. Every business that does business with the federal government has a cage code. And that's your unique vetting that, that allows you to do federal contracting. And then once that's done, then the fun starts is what I always tell people. We have to find out who's buying what you're selling. And so our counselors will help the business kind of redefine what they do and the services they provide or the product they, they provide and which federal agencies are buying what you're selling. More than likely, the federal government doesn't change that much. So the same federal agencies that are buying it today are going to be the same ones that are going to be buying it tomorrow. So we need to find those agencies. And by doing that, we go through old contracts. We can research old solicitations to find out who's buying that. Because then we know that's that's the agency or that's the contracting office that we need to market yourself. We need to help you market to. So they know you exist. I can say that the most refreshing thing about federal contracting is it's really about relationships. It's still about knowing who you are. It's not just a computer that's picking a select, you know, a, a, a contractor. It's a person. The contracting officers all over the country and they're people and they're just like us. They want to hire someone that they can trust that will be able to do the contract on time because they don't want problems. It's no different than if you need to get a new roof on your house. You know, you want to see, you get some quotes. Who do you trust? Who's done it before? Have they done them a lot? Have they done them in our area? Are they reliable? And the federal government is the refreshing part is it really is, but oh yeah, I know them. I talked to them one time. They sent me their information and they remember that. And so those relationships are really important and we do help with those connections as well. So some of it is just finding out, you know, who, which agencies are buying what you're selling. And then you can find out who your competition is. I always think it's interesting to see who you're competing against. And, you know, is that a, a competitor or is it a friend down the street? Is it someone you could team up with to go for future contracts? And so all that back research, I think is important before you can go forward, just to get a feel for how big were the contracts? How were they buying it? Were they solicitations they put out on the street that you had to submit a quote or proposal? Or are these credit card purchases that they are just doing over the phone? How are they doing it? And so all that back information helps the company kind of move forward. Um, but that, that takes time and that really takes really filtering down to what the company does. You should never change what you do to fit the federal government. You stay with what you do and you do it well. The federal government, you know, no matter what contracting officer you talk to, they always say the worst thing they hear from a contractor is, I'll do anything you want me to do. That's not what I asked. What do you do? And so you stay true to what you do. You do well, you do it well. And, and that will help you get in with the 
federal contracting. However, we, and we also have, so beyond all that back research, we also have a bid match program that matches your company's capabilities with all the federal opportunities that are coming out. And it will email you every day, every opportunity that matches. And then we can help you with your first proposal, your first solicitation and your first submittal. The first one's always the hardest because it's your first one. Does the federal government have very specific ways they wanna submit a proposal to come in? Absolutely. But once you have the template and once you have your first proposal, the, the next one and the next one are a little easier. And that's what we're here for is to help you with that, with those proposals and those solicitations as well. So you mentioned that we may not have an abundance of federal agencies or facilities in Indiana, but that doesn't restrict, uh, an Indiana company is not restricted to selling to a federal installation in Indiana, correct? That they can be selling to the federal government anywhere in the country if they have a if they have something that that facility absolutely and overseas we have um, military installations located all over the world uh and and the other thing is you've 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 mostly talked about products uh but there are some instances where services may actually be may actually be sold or acquired is that is that correct too Yes, I think that the biggest area that the federal government, especially Department of Defense, has been speaking about for the last year has been IT services or software services is the number one service, if you will, area that they will be doing most of their contracting. And and by software and IT, it can be anything from managing um, their paperwork, their staff, uh, any type of that type of service, um, you know, they're not going to be hiring more people, right? So they need ways of doing things more efficiently. And so how do they manage their paperwork, their time, services to hold their documentation or make matches? So all those type of uh, IT services, if you will, will be more prevalent in the future than ever before. Now, they still have other services um, that they contract with, and those are probably more localized, just like for Crane, for example, they have contracts with people for heating and cooling. If it's a maintenance contract, obviously it's going to be close or close enough that you could go to the base and maintain or fix you know, their hair conditioner that went out. That may not be something, a maintenance contract may not fit you in California, but we, you know, we, can, we can filter those type of contracts out. But as far as you know, they build things, they build roads, not just federal transportation dollars are different than the FAR, than the rest of the federal government. So INDOT issues most of those contracts, of, of course, in Indiana. But we have Rock Island is a major military installation in Illinois, only, you know, an hour from our border. And uh, they do like $15 billion a year. They're not that far. And so we have a lot of military installations, not just if you don't look at Indiana, um, Michigan, as Ohio, right, Pat, and then Kentucky, there are quite a few within a day's drive, right? A half day's drive. If it, even if it was a maintenance type contract or something that you would have to go on to site, it's not that far. So, uh, so most of the people who are listening to, to this podcast are going to be uh, the economic developers all around the state. And, uh, and my thought is that as they are making those business uh, retention visits, out talking to their local businesses, uh, we wanted them to to understand what you do and be able to promote the the PTAC services. So explain to our economic developers, to our IEDA members, if they're talking to companies, 
how do they represent you and how can they how can they best connect with you or help you connect with those local businesses? That's a great question because I think we've realized that we need um, all the help we can get on just getting the word out that we exist, right? In the first place that PTAC exists and then this and that we're free. We're a free service and we need to be used, if you will. But just talking to businesses that maybe are expanding or very established, if they start talking about wanting new customers, wanting to further diversify themselves, the economic development throughout the state of Indiana, they're the front line, if you will. They're the ones talking to the businesses every day. They are our greatest resource. And so just having them know that we exist and that our services exist, then it's just a simple referral or an email to me or email to one of my counselors we also do free workshops. We would be more than happy to come to their scheduled, you know, coffee virtual probably now that they have or any meetings that they have and just give a quick five, 10 minutes. This is what we do. This is um, how we can provide service to you. But I think that we're, we would love to complement the great work that all the locals are already doing by giving them an extra service that maybe they can provide to their businesses. And it's just basic education of just knowing that we exist. And so they can find you if they start with the uh, going through the IEDC website. Is that correct? Well, we have our own standalone website. It's just indianaptech.com. And um, we are a part of IEDC, but we are required to have our own standalone website just because of DLA funding. But they will be incorporating uh, our website into IEDC in, within this year. It, it's a right now, call me. Uh, Chris Jeffers at iedc.in.gov. Give me a phone call. I think it's just, just ask. I think that's a lot of, it's just starting the process and just ask the question. And then you do have, as you mentioned, counselors and they have, they have region around the state. Is, I, is that correct? Correct. We have five regions in the state of Indiana for PTAC and one is in Northeast Indiana and Bob Warner is located in the Fort Wayne area. Then Northwest is Diana Hunter, and she covers a big area from Lafayette to South Bend to Crown Point to Lake County. We have one in Central, Nate Lofton. He covers basically the central region of Indiana. And then way down South, uh, Southwest is Jim Haddon. He's in Evansville. And then the South Central is what we call it, is the Bloomington to Lawrenceburg down to New Albany, that, that cross section of the Southern part of the state, if you will. And that's Andy Alexander. However, we have been really focusing in this last year to use the counselor strengths in various areas. So we do recommend that you start with your local counselor because they need to know your businesses. Just like I said earlier, the relationships are important. Relationships are important from that point too. However, we do have expertise in different areas. Um, Diana Hunter, Department of Agriculture is kind of her thing. So even if you're located in Southern Indiana, but it's an ag or a meat prop, you know, that would be something that she could help with. Andy Alexander um, was an army ranger. He knows the army pretty well. He's kind of our go-to military and veteran certification um, guy, if you will. And, and why I said that, I, I would like to elaborate. We do help businesses, not just once you get registered in SAM, let's say you're registered, you're able to do business with the federal government. Then if you can be certified as a woman-owned business 
or a veteran owned business or a service disabled veteran owned business or minority business, we can help you with that process of getting certified. Which agency do you need to get certified with? What is the process? And so that's an extra step, but it's so important. The federal government can do set-asides and they can do set-asides for a small business, which means no one can bid on this contract except for a small business. They can do a woman-owned business set-aside. They can do a veteran-owned. So only veteran-owned businesses can go after this contract. And so what that does is it narrows the pool. So as you can narrow the pool, then your chances of getting the contract increase. So we do help businesses with getting those certifications because it does give you a leg up on certain contracts. And so those certifications are very important as well once you just get certified to do work with the federal government. So that helps. Uh, and, and Chris, you know, we intended this podcast to be a very general sort of first step or overview to just introduce the program, even though it's been around for a while. Yeah. I think the, the sense was uh, we had an opportunity to help people know it maybe for the first time. Uh, we're going to follow this up in a few weeks with a webinar that will allow then more visual information and allow a little more detail so that, again, our members can can better understand how to contact you or how to contact those uh, counselors around the state on behalf of their local businesses. Before we close today, is there anything that you haven't had a chance to, to cover that you wanted to? I do want to cover really quickly our metrics for 2020 because oh, yeah. I'm happy with where we've come you know, where we started um, a couple of years ago when I took over the program and where we are today. However, we still have so much opportunity to grow our federal contracting presence. But last year in 2020, the PTAC clients did $365.6 million in federal contracting with 40 different agencies. And that was 4,567 contracts. So as I mentioned before, there are those great big contracts but there's a lot of contracts that the federal government does that is more purchase orders. But it be, I think the important thing, especially for IEDC, is our clients added 519 jobs throughout the state of Indiana just because of federal contracting. So they were able to grow and not just sustain themselves and give them another revenue source, but they were able to grow because of government contracting. And so our clients added 519 jobs in 2020. And we're really happy with that. Obviously, we want to get a bigger share of the federal dollars coming back to Indiana. But I think we're an incredible upward swing on that. And we just want to keep growing. And there's no limits. Well, we certainly want to help you do that and help our businesses around the state get a bigger piece of that pie. So we're happy that we could help introduce this today. And as I said, we will in a few weeks do a webinar that will give you a little bit more of an expansive opportunity to explain and visually show, you know, some of the processes and, and explain that. So, uh, Chris, I want to thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just uh, honored to be able to do my first podcast, just so you know. So, uh, <laughs> well, but I'm, I'm honored I'm, that it was with you guys. Well, and, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm sorry it had to be with me. Uh, <laughs> so maybe this will just, you know, this will give you a, a practice, you know, for the next better podcast. No, I think it's it's great. I think it's definitely, I'm excited about the culture, if you will, that Indiana's building and the communication that's happening between different agencies and services and locals and state. And I think that's what it's going to take to get us there. So I'm excited to be a part of it. And I see so much potential. I think that's where my excitement and frustration comes at the same time. 
I see so much potential in the state of Indiana and our businesses to be expanding themselves into the federal contracting world. And um, we're just not taking the opportunity. So I feel like we're leaving money on the table. Chris Jeffers, uh, the Indiana Director of the Procurement Technical Assistance Center in Indiana, housed within IEDC. Chris, thank you very much for being with me today. Thank you so much. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content in this podcast is copyright 2020 by the Indiana Economic Development Association, and all rights are reserved. Thank you.